Greetings Gamers, I'm Bedroth, and I'm Shoot Cabal, and you're listening to Season 3 of Very Good Music, a VGM podcast. Welcome back. Thank you for bearing with us in that one extra week of our little in-between season break. Ah, it has been a month. <laughs> Man, 2020 was over. We thought things were going to kind of pick up a little bit. I mean, there's no real reason to think that. I think I actually mentioned that, but it was a new year, man, <laughs> and things were supposed to happen. But, well, then... The winter apocalypse hit Texas mm-hmm. and a lot of the rest of the country. Texas was hit pretty hard because our infrastructure here is just not really built for multiple days of sub-zero temperatures and snow and ice. Yeah, but we managed. We're Texas. Yeah, just for Texas. But we managed. We made it through. Um, some personal stuff also kind of went on. Uh, some of folks who are in my Discord kind of kind of know a little bit about that, but suffice it to say, um, one of our very close family members did come down with COVID. It was very, very close for a while, but she is recovering well now, and things are looking up. So I can turn a little attention back to this thing that helps keep me sane and makes me happy and gives me time to spend with my oldest kid. Yeah. Jukapau, what are your memories of the last, like, three weeks since our last show, and... Not too much longer since the last time we recorded. Oh, you started back to school full-time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that did happen. Yep. Still playing piano. <laughs> you got invited back for the second round of leadership team for band. Oh, yeah. See if you qualify for second round of leader for a leadership mm-hmm. team. That would be really cool if you get in there. I mean, this wasn't really, like, you weren't with us, but I took Lemon Boy out for... A little father-son thing today, and I picked up Ring Fit Adventure. That was fun. Music's good. It, it is a workout, definitely. And, yeah. That's really about it on the home front. What about video game-wise? You did play some more video games for a little while during this time. What were you playing? Uh, Mostly Minecraft and some Final Fantasy VII. Yeah. You played some Pokemon, right? Um, yeah, but on the DS, yeah. Smash, and, like, I tried to play a bit of Splatoon 2, but the internet was being weird. You also bought a new game that mostly your little siblings have been playing. Oh, yeah, Plants vs. Zombies. <laughs> you played some of it, <laughs> didn't get too into it. Well, I mean, I, I, I like Plants vs. Zombies, I just, I was just playing other video games. Gotcha, yeah. I like Plants vs. Zombies a lot, it's cool. We might have some plans for zombies on this episode, just just saying. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> and what is this episode about, Chukabout? Level three themes. Yeah. Third because... level or area of game. Yeah, just kind of third world, you know, we, we kind of made made it so it's it's the third in a video game. Yeah. We threw out to our patrons whether they thought it would be more interesting for us to do sequels or, you know, the third in a series like Sonic 3, Mario 3. Uh, Shantae and Pirate's Curse, I think, is the third one. Uh, yeah, because Risky's Revenge is the second one, I'm pretty sure. Anyway, um, yeah, that kind of thing. Or, the topic we're doing now, and obviously this is the one they picked, 
and in usual fashion, I made a super gigantic, crazy big list. And actually, at first, I just thought, you know what? I'll, I'll just, I gotta start somewhere. I'll start with Sonic. There aren't that many Sonic games. I can find level three for all of them. There are a butt ton of Sonic games out there. <laughs> like, seriously, man. It was crazy. I had a list, like, full of Sonic tracks. And at one point, I actually thought about having all of my songs on this playlist be Sonic. But then I decided not to do that, and I listened through to them again. I probably listened to my list, like, three times. And there's some really, really good stuff. A lot of it got left on the cutting room floor. Uh, I also sent you the list to kind of help you fill out your catalog of things, and I'm excited to hear what you picked, excited for you to hear what I picked, and you know what? If you're ready, I think we might as well just go ahead and get into it. I'm going to start us out this time, and then you'll get to start us out next week, which is fitting because you picked that topic, but we'll talk more about next week a little bit later. For now, we're going to kick things off with a little bit of Telopes, which means we're going to be listening to Sonic Mania, and specifically Studiopolis Zone, yeah! Act 1, also called Lights, Camera, Action. Yeah! Studiopolis Zone Act 1. Yeah. <laughs> Man, what a way to start the show. Like I said, I had a lot of Sonic 3 music on this list, or, sorry, not Sonic 3, a lot of level 3 music from Sonic games on this list, and there was some really good stuff. I 
the last song that I cut before I made my final list tonight was Aquatic Ruin Zone from Sonic 2, which is just a classic. Just a classic. And in my weird kind of way that I eventually come out with playlists, which is I like to have a little bit of retro, a little bit of new, a little bit of stuff I know, a little bit of stuff I don't. I like to showcase stuff that doesn't usually get as much playtime. This obviously is not one of those because this is a fantastic track that everybody knows and loves. Oh man. And I just thought lights, camera, action. What better way to start out start out the show? Shukapow, talk a little about this track. Ah, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. What do you what do you love? What do you love? I just this track is such a like uh, I've gotten pretty familiar with this track, like actually because a YouTuber I watch, Bionic, he mm-hmm. uh, he plays Minecraft a lot, and he uses this as like his outro music for like you know the last minute or so of cool. his videos. Very cool. Good choice. Uh, yeah, yeah. You should, you should check him out. He's just, like two million subscribers. What's so. the name again? Bionic. Bionic. He's yeah. a Minecraft YouTuber. Yeah. Cool. Got uh, a bit over two million subscribers. I think he's like nineteen or twenty. These kids. All right. <laughs> I mean, but, he's technically an adult. We, we, that's true. That is true. <laughs> he's still half my age. Um, <laughs> you, you can't talk about this track without... I mean, the trumpets and the piano. Yeah. It's like, it's so it's good. Such a, it's just... it. Just, yes. And a little known fact, I actually discovered this on the original Soundchat podcast. Which I found recently. Really, really cool show. It is... It's a VGM podcast, sort of. Uh, it's more like a video game retrospective podcast, but the hosts pick, uh, they each pick a game, and then they talk a little about the game, and then they play five, like, key tracks, and the music only plays for about 30 seconds, it doesn't go too in-depth, but they talk about why those tracks are their favorite, and then they talk about the second game, and there's usually some sort of, like, tenuous tie between them. Uh, one really good one I listened to recently, which ties into this, is they talked about Sonic Mania and Mega Man Cross Street Fighter which were both, they started out as fan games, they did eventually, I think, get get published for real, but, and the music, of course, was really great by originally, like, fan scene composers that are now, like, doing real stuff. So, uh, T. Lopes for Sonic Mania, of course, and then A. Rival for uh, Mega Man Cross Street Fighter. And they said something I didn't know, which is that the lights, camera, action, sound clip in this, and really all the vocal clips in any of the Sonic tracks in Sonic Mania, any of the tracks in Sonic Mania, that is, <laughs> were actually T-Lopes. He recorded them, and then he like reprocessed them to make them sound good with the music, like to make them sound like they were playing through Genesis hardware. So I thought that was really cool. Don't know a whole lot about him specifically. He's done a lot of remixes. He's done a lot of covers of his own stuff. Uh, he actually was discovered because he did the soundtrack for... Um, a Sonic 2 remake that was really, really good. That's kind of how he got noticed. And um, he repurposed some of those same things for the retro tracks in this game. Level 1 was Green Hill Zone. Level 2 was Chemical Plant Zone. And then this, of course, is Level 3. And, man, it's just fantastic. All three parts. The first part, this is a... And then the second part with, like, the piano lead. And the third part with the whole call and response thing. So good. Such a fun track. <sighs> Anything else to say about this one, Shukapal? Not really. It's just super good. All right. 
Well, I'm going to bet that your first track is also super good. Why yeah. don't you tell us what it's going to be? I'm going to keep this train rolling. This this, this big, it's big, yeah, just... <laughs> the VGM train. Yes, the VGM train of hype, cool VGM. Yeah, right. hey, that's what we should call episode four of this season. The VGM train of hype, <laughs> the cool hype, VGM. The hype train. The hype train. It's, it's a Twitch thing. Ah. Uh, <laughs> Twitch. Twitch. I, I'm, I'm twitching for all you. Yeah. You, you'll see that on the video that doesn't exist. All right. Anyway. <laughs> all right. This, 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 what, this what, isn't Castelia City from Pokemon Black and White. <gasps> was Castilia City from Pokemon Black and White, released in 2010 for the Nintendo DS, and this track was composed by Shota Kageyama, who actually did most of the music for this game. Yeah, yeah, Shota Kageyama. We talked about that back on the Pokemon episode with Purnell and Daryl last season. Uh, Episode, I want to say that was seven... Yeah, I think. Anyway, uh, oh, I forgot to mention this, but if anybody doesn't know, Sonic Mania was a multi-platform release in 2017. Uh, we own it on the Switch. Shukapau has not really played it. I have played some of Pokemon Black and White, but it has been a long time. But what I remember was pretty fun, and I gotta say, this was a groovy little piece. Tell us about this, and tell us how Castelia City fits our theme for today. It's it's the third. It's the area of the third gem. Area for the third gym. Okay. Yeah, Castelia City is the area where you fight Berg, who is the third gym leader. And Berg, also hold on. Ice type. Rock type. Berg, like bug. Oh, bug. Okay. Bug, bug type. I like, yeah, would, not, would not have guessed that. Okay. But yeah. Or cool. Bryson. Yeah. So Berg is a bug type gym leader. Third gym leader of the game. Yes. Castelia City. In both, in both Unova games. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, and what is how is Berg? What is his 
What is Berg's personality like? Um... Do you remember? Uh, 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 art and bugs. Art and bugs. That's, that's, yeah. So. Oh, cool. How about Castilia City? Tell us about, about this place. It's big. It's, it's like, like, New York. Oh, okay. And it's also, it's also like on the, um, the, the harbor area place. Yeah. yeah. New York's on a harbor area as well. Yeah. Manhattan Island and all that. Cool. Well, this... This track, man, this track is fun. I don't know what area... So, the Unova region is... We're fact-checking a little bit. It's based on America. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I, I was looking at the map just now, and it, um... I can't I can't see it. <laughs> it's got, like... So, Castilia City is, like, in this sort of huge bay connecting the starting area in black and white over, like, on the right side of the map, mm -hmm. and black and white, too, on the left side of the map. Huh. And, like, they go up to Castelia City. Uh, it's connected, like, by, you know, docks and boats on the left side, and then the Skyro Bridge on the right side. Yeah. Which I think we played on one episode? We did play. I played Skyro yeah. Bridge on the Pokemon episode. And then, yeah. then it, like, goes up around this big circle around the intro ink, which is, like, you know, sort of an area for all the multiplayer weird stuff. And then it's got, like... The subway, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then it's got, like, two rivers going sort of through the middle. And then, you yep. know, it's got, like, that strip of land in the middle. So yeah, that like sounds a lot. A lot like, yeah. like Long Island, Manhattan Island. Yeah. yeah the, uh, Unova. Unova is... Yeah, it's... it's Unova is a Manhattan Oh, it's, it's sideways. No. It's that... Because... There's water off to the right, and that'd be Canada. That doesn't make sense. It's not side. What? It's weird. Maybe it's just loosely based on it, and it's not yeah. like supposed to be a one-for-one -one representation here. But regardless, and it's kind of weird because like Kanto, I can sort of see it's like it's sort of like Japan off to the right, and then then like Asia, like East Asia, off to the left, and then it's like. It's like that, but then it's like the top of Japan is connected to Asia by like a strip of land. It's it's just sort of it's just sort of weird. Pokemon maps are weird like that. If we ever do our Pokemon podcast that we've talked about, then that'll be a good place to go into the maps and all that stuff. But this is about the music, so tell us about this song. Ah, uh, yeah. This is such a like this game has so much cool like like it's got like that chill sort of town music, and then it's got, like, that big, huge city jazz music, like this, and Nimbasa City. Yeah, man, this melody is gonna get stuck in my head. It's do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. It's, this is classic stuff. So good. We are gonna switch gears here. We seem to be kind of falling back in time, at least for these first three tracks, I'm going to be playing a song from a game I had never heard of until I was doing research for this episode, which makes sense because it was only released, well, everywhere except here. It was released in Japan and Europe and Australia. It's a Super Famicom and Super NES game, and it is called The Fireman. We're going to be playing level three, which is called Reach the Control Room.
Welcome back. That was Reach the Control Room from The Fireman, released for the Super Famicom and SNES in 1994. And so, before I talk about the game a little bit, Shukapau, what do you think about this song? Uh, is, is this what GBA sounds like to everyone else? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the samples didn't quite agree with you, huh? No, no, I, I, no. <laughs> what about, what about like the melody? I mean, I know this is kind of a hard rocking thing, which is not super your style anyway, but I guess it yeah, wasn't. I, I, I just don't really like the samples. I just don't really like how they sound. Hmm. I can, it can be hard to get past for some people. There, there, there are some songs where I just, I just can't get past the way the samples sound, but. Um, I thought this one was was pretty fun. It's it definitely fits like a firefighting game. Like this sounds like a disaster music, not disastrous music, but to, to me at least, it sounds like kind of disaster music. So uh, I really like that sort of electric guitar thing going on at the end. I do think that for 1994 on the SNES, this sounds a little primitive, but this is not like a huge. Com um, publisher, at least as far as I know. This was the second disaster game released by Human Entertainment. The first one was called SOS. Fireman, uh, like I said, came out in Europe, Australia, and Japan. Did not come out here. And it's sort of a um, like an action-adventure style game, like with an isometric view. You play as a fireman named Pete, who, when you have a second player, is joined by his partner Daniel. And you have to put out this fire that broke out in this chemical company during a Christmas party. <laughs> I'm sure maybe it gets more interesting than that. I don't know. But if I were like the owner of a chemicals company, I would probably have my Christmas party somewhere else where the chemicals couldn't accidentally spill and start a huge fire. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> the characters in the game put out fires using hoses, like you do. They also have fire extinguishing bombs. Don't know if that's a real thing, but sounds fun. Um, and then each level at the end has a boss fire. Picture me doing quote marks. So like a, a fire boss that you have to, to fight. You, there are civilians that you can get throughout the levels, and these help to restore your life gauge, which is like constantly falling because you take damage from fire and extreme heat. And when your life gauge reaches zero, there are no continues. The game is over. So you have one life. <laughs> and this is, was not a super huge commercial success, which may be part of why it's never come over here. From what I have heard, I mean, the graphics looked pretty good, the gameplay was okay, uh, but it was really, really short, it was very linear, not a whole lot of fun to be had. The music, though, was, was pretty alright. The composers here, I've never heard of most of them, um, and they don't have a whole lot of other credits to their names. There is Hideto Maeda, Konomi Ito, Hironori Tanaka, and Hiroyuki Naka. That last one sounds a little bit familiar. Um, Hironori Tanaka, as far as I know, is not in any way related to Hirokazu Hip Tanaka. But, there you go. These are our composers for Reach the Control Room, Level 3 of The Fireman. And what do you have for our fourth track of the night, Shukapau? Hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep this going with uh, Batman NES. Ah, yes, yes. From my favorite composer. <laughs> NES composer, at least. Alright, and what is level three called? Underground Conduit. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, this is this is a good one. I remember this stage. That was Underground Conduit from Batman NES, released in 1998 for the NES, and composed by Naoki Kodaka. I think that you mixed up a couple of numbers in your date there. 1989. 1989. <laughs> 19, 1998 would have been a very late NES release. And since this was based on the Batman movie that came out in the 80s, it also would have been a pretty late adaptation. But, yeah. Good, good stuff. Why do you think? Why do you think you picked this? Like out of that list, did you kind of already know you wanted to pick it when you saw what game it was from, or did you listen to it first and you were like, "Yeah, I gotta pick." I it. listened to it and, and yeah, I liked it. Man, I love this stuff. Just Kodaka was the king of like the NES chip. The, uh, there were other really really great NES composers. Everybody knows. I mean, Uematsu, Koji Kondo. I mean, Tim Fallen, you've got you've got some real masters on the NES, but Naoki Kodaka just rocks, and there was nobody who could make the NES rock quite like Naoki Kodaka. That bass and that like that kick drum and stuff, just super cool. And the music of this game is my favorite part of it. Although the game itself was pretty fun, but I'll get into that in a second since I'm the one with gameplay experience on this. What do you like about this track? Um, I guess it, 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 I don't know, I don't, I don't know how to, I, 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 it's all right, don't don't overthink it. I never know how to respond to this question. I know, I know, like, just, just talk, just say something, Um, don't worry about how it's going to sound. Well... I guess I just I just like I just like it. It just it's it 
that's that's always just it. I just like it. What do you think? Like, what mood does this song sort of invoke? How does it I make guess it like feel? a a dark sort of like dangerous mood. So fitting for the character, you think? This sounds like a Batman track. Yeah. Uh, how do you think this stacks up against uh, level one, Streets of Desolation? Um. I know my answer, but I'm interested in yours. Yeah, I think Streets of Desolation is better. Oh yeah, that's my answer too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Streets of Desolation is one of the great Kodaka tracks. This game was a lot of fun. Um, it was really hard. And it was kind of weird because it did not follow the plot of the movie at all. Uh, some of the characters in the game, like I didn't even realize the first boss, I think his name is Firefly. And he was the only one I could really consistently beat. I don't think I ever got past level two, except maybe later when I played on emulators. Emulators, but oh no. The first boss was don't Firefly, who I think is a recurring Batman villain every once in a while, but I had no idea about that back then. But it's just, this is a weird, weird game as far as adaptation goes of, of a movie. Um, but it played really well. It was pretty tight, tight controls. And Batman had a really cool wall jump mechanic that I, I loved a lot. And being able to like wall jump with Batman. And his movement honestly felt a little bit stiff. But for whatever reason, I thought that that just kind of fit. Because, yeah, Batman's at, you know, peak human condition, but he's still just a guy. You know, like a robot or anything. And I thought that his weight and his physics in the game lent it this sort of realistic feel. And, of course, I didn't think about it that deep back then. But looking at it in retrospect, I think that might be why I thought it felt so cool to play. <laughs> but if you get a chance to play this at any point, I would, I would give it a shot. It's pretty fun. I'm not the best at NES games. <laughs> That's all right. You, I mean, Mega Man. You're right, a Mega Man. Yeah. Batman does use a gun in this game, which is also weird because that's like one of his two rules. He doesn't kill usually, and he doesn't use guns, except when he's killing Darkseid, so he can't take over the world. But I am not even about to get into Final Crisis on this podcast. <laughs> Prof. Jeff can maybe talk about that if we ever do a superhero show. Hint, hint, hint. That's a podcast for another podcast. But, anything else about the Caped Crusader or this track? Not really. Okay. All right. Then we're going to move on to my next track, which I almost played one of my favorite, S uh, favorite NES tunes, but then I decided to go in a different direction. If you're listening to this and you have the option to listen on headphones, but you are not, I would recommend listening to this next track on headphones because that's going to give you like the best sense of how it's different. Otherwise, it sounds a lot like the NES track. What we're going to play, though, comes from the Game Boy. The name of the track is Waterfall of Bloodshed, and this is Level 3 from Operation C.
And with one of the most Timbo the Elephant names on this list tonight, Waterfall of Bloodshed from Operation C, which is the Game Boy game uh, entry in the Contra series. And man, I have loved this track ever since I heard it on the NES growing up. The original Waterfall of Bloodshed was on Contra 40 Arcade, which was composed by Kazuki Moraoka. This arrangement for Operation C was done by Hirohiro Funouchi, who I have also heard before, but I don't know as much about as I feel like I should. Shukapau, what do you think of this track? That's very, very... It's, 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 it's cool. It's cool. Yeah, man. Um, and I was explaining to Shukapau, anybody who, who doesn't have the ability to listen to this on headphones, check it out later on YouTube. The end of the phrase where it goes, and then it echoes that, it pans left and right between the ears. And there's just little stuff like that in this version that's so cool. Uh, I believe Hip Tanaka was involved in developing the Game Boy's sound, and I think, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that he was instrumental in making it so that the Game Boy would support stereo sound. And it was just, in retrospect, really, really cool decision that they definitely did not have to do. But his reasoning was that the Game Boy would mostly probably be played with headphones because he knew how annoying it would be for a kid to be in the back of the car with video game music blaring, you know, for the parents, because that was before everybody appreciated this stuff. And so probably be on headphones, and why not make it a little extra cool? The plot from this game seems like it's probably pretty similar to the first Contra. Have you ever played Contra? Did you play some Contra 3 with me on the SNES Classic? I don't think so. I'm not sure how much you like it. It, it, it does have some uh, kind of a Mega Man feel to it, but only tangentially in that you're running and shooting at the same time. But it's it's fun. It's really hard, but it's supposed to be. That's why the Konami code gave you 30 extra lives on the NES version. <laughs> and I still barely beat that game, even with help. The waterfall area also is notorious for two-player mode because it's a vertical scrolling stage. And so if you leave your friend behind, he's going to die when the bottom of the stage hits him. <laughs> in this game, you play Bill Riser, who is player one in Contra for the NES, and you only play as him. He has to neutralize an enemy alien force that is secretly storing, like, alien technology. Anyway, it's secondary to the gameplay anyway. The um, In the American version, the enemies are working for an alien entity that calls itself Black Viper, who is like the successor to Red Falcon, who was the big bad alien dude in the first one. You killed Red Falcon, but now Black Viper has come to call and like finish what Red Falcon started. And Lance, the player two, does not make any entry in this game. A couple of other differences is Operation C was the first counter game with auto-fire as a default feature, so you could turn it on so that you're always shooting. Like, you just hold down the button and you're always shooting, instead of having to push the button every time you shoot. So that did away with the need for a machine gun power-up, and you also don't have the laser rifle, which is a pretty cool, um, pretty cool power-up in Contra. But this is the first game that has the homing gun that fires bullets that chase after enemies. That would be replaced by the homing missiles in Contra 3 Alien Wars on the SNES. 
you do have the fire gun from Super C, which is pretty cool. It's like a flamethrower type thing. And the spread shot in this game, I thought this was pretty interesting. You start out with a three-way shot, but it upgrades to the traditional five-way spread shot when you pick it up a second time. Oh, and one other thing I see here, slight correction, uh, Lance is actually the main character in the American version, and in Japan, Bill is is that version. So I guess if you want to think about it, maybe they're like, they had to separate, and they're fighting the aliens on two fronts. Bill's in Japan, and Lance's in America. <laughs> um, the Konami Code also featured in this game. Unlike the original Contra game, in the J Japanese version of Operation C, uh, there were five levels. You could pick the first four levels in any order, like Mega Man. You couldn't do that in the American version, unless you put in the Konami code. Do you know what the Konami code is, Shukapal? Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, select, start. No, it's just start. B, A, select, start. Select, start would work, especially if you wanted to, like, get to second player. Uh, but, yes, I am very proud of you. How do you know that? Uh, Wreck-It Ralph. Yep, Wreck-It Ralph. And also just, like, seeing it on the internet. <laughs> yeah, by now you've seen it on the internet a lot, but Wreck-It Ralph is how you were introduced to it? Yes. That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Very, very cool. Oh, man. What have you got for your third? Are we on our third track? I think we are. Yeah, what's your third track of the night? I'm going to go to a very different game. Okay. Uh, I did tease this at the beginning of the episode. Oh, yeah? Uh, <laughs> let's just get right into it. This is Watery Graves from Plants vs. Zombies. Watery Graves from Plants vs. Zombies, released in 2009 for mobile and PC. 
and composed by Laura Shigihara. Laura Shigihara is so good. Um, that piano is just just gorgeous. She's a really, really cool person, too, by the way. I've watched a couple of her YouTube streams and stuff, and uh, she's one of the few people who I've checked out on Twitch. Just a really, really sweet person, and this is fun stuff. That bass was also just a do 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 it was it was ripping in the background, and you can talk about this game now, because you have actually played it. Yeah. What made you want to buy this game? Well, I mean, I I did play it a bit back in, um, in in uh, middle school. Oh, okay. I actually beat it. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, uh, so recently Lemon Boy got into Plants vs. Zombies. He watched a um, a playthrough by Zebra Gamer, who mm-hmm. is a pretty cool dude. He plays he plays games on on the YouTubes. Anybody who has kids who like to watch playthroughs on YouTube, Zebra Gamer is one of the good ones. He's super clean. He's really engaging, and he's not gonna. He does not talk down at all. If anything, I think sometimes he acts like he doesn't know stuff that he really does know, which I think is a pretty cool way to get kids kind of, you know, engaged. And, um, but anyway, yeah, cool, cool little show. Continue. And so, uh, it sort of got me back into the game, and so I, I used $5 and bought it. <laughs> yep. Not a bad use of $5. You're, you and your little siblings have gotten some good time out of that. And, you know, this is a, it's a strategy game, and so it's not a bad one for them to play. It teaches them some cool skills and uh, resource management, stuff like that. I like tower defense games. They're cool. I'm not a huge fan of tower defense games, probably for the same reason I'm not a big fan of real-time strategy games. You would probably really like them, but like I'm yeah, not... I like I like RTS, I like Pikmin. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> oh yeah, there you go. Yeah, I am not good at managing like multiple resources at the same time. Uh, multitasking has never been my strong suit. <laughs> That's why even though I'm a drummer, I can't play trap set. <laughs> but the th- this music though, this is a really chill little tune. Why do you feel like this fits the gameplay of Plants vs Zombies? Um, because it's like super intense and like. Intense. It's an interesting word for this. Yeah. I don't disagree, but... It's like there's all these different types of zombies, and they're, like, all different. And then you've got all these different plants, and you just got to, like, put them in the right places. And it... it, it <laughs> How would you describe this song as intense? Because, like, so you've got that... You've got the, like, piano there. It's like, do 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 Yeah, yeah, I got a little bit of creepy chord progression yeah. there. And then the, and then the reverb, too, adds to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we've got, like, those strings coming, like... Very nice. Yeah, this then, one. Then, like, later in the song, you've got the percussion. And then, like... I think that might be, like, where, you know, there's, like, a huge wave of zombies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... Where the game just, like, throws all the zombies in the level at you. At the same time, Plants vs. Zombies, even though it can be really intense, it's not a scary game. Like, it's it's very cartoonish, very kid-friendly, and this song is the same way. It's very pretty. Even when it gets a little bit sort of eerie, uh, can put you a little on edge, It's it's got a very nice sound to it. And it, it's wholesome, is what it is. This whole experience is just wholesome. And I think if I had to come up with a single word to describe Laura Shigihara's personality, that's what it would be. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a really, really cool track. And I, I like kind of how it brought us down a little bit, because we've been pretty intense for this opening opening round. And anything else to say about the track, sir? Um, not really, but uh, 
the like the game I've got some more to say about. Go ahead. Uh, like I mentioned, there are so many different types of plants and so many different zombies. Mm-hmm. And like, there's this almanac that you get like partway through the game, and that like it's like a Pokedex for the plants and the zombies. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, so yeah. like a collectathon type thing. That's cool. Yeah, it like shows you, like it shows you all the plants in one section and the zombies in another, and it like has little bios on them. And it's super cool. <laughs> That's like, cool. That kind of writing just sells it for me. There's just the normal zombies, and they've got the ones that just like have a cone on their head, and they're like, like it's just that, and then they mm-hmm. have you know double the defense. Then there there's other ones with like buckets on their heads, and they have five times the defense. Mm. There's a funny little bio on the flag zombie. It's like, flag zombies just like the other zombies, but somewhere along the line he picked up a fascination with flags. <laughs> That's funny. Um, there's this there's this zombie in like a football uniform, mm-hmm. and it's like, like he's, uh, he's like faster than the other zombies and a lot tougher than the other zombies, mm-hmm. so he's hard to deal with. And then the, like, the, the, the uh, in his little description thing, it says he has no idea what a football is. <laughs> <laughs> well, he doesn't have any brains. It's not his fault. Yeah. Or his brains are all rotten. Yeah. Wait, do zombies, like, crave brains because they've lost their brains? I've never thought about that before. I don't, know. I don't really even know why I said that, because traditionally <laughs> you don't think about that with zombies. Anyway, uh, <laughs> that's this, funny stuff, though. Then there's this big, like, Hulk zombie. It's called the Gargantuar, and it, it has... It's, it can have, like, a bunch of different things. It can have, like, a... Uh, one of those those weird diamond-shaped yellow signs. Oh, yeah, like the road signs? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then I have, like, a power line, mm-hmm. and, like, sometimes <laughs> it holds another zombie. <laughs> it's just, like, so big that it has, like, one of the zombies and just uses it to crush the plants and get through. Well, if anybody has sat on the fence about this game... Check it out. It, it is. It does look really cool. I am Definitely. actually... You're kind of making me want to go ahead and give it a shot, even though I hate tower defense games. <laughs> you know what? I am going to switch my order up a little bit. I've been going pretty much in the order I established things in, but I think my next track lines up pretty well with this one, the one that I'm switching to instead. We're going to go to another kind of creepy game, but still a very fun one. And the music is also, for this level at least, it's a little bit... A little bit chill. This one comes from the third level of Super Castlevania 4 on the SNES. And the level is called The Cave. shorter on that one just a 58 second loop there but man 
Masanori Adachi or Taro Kudo, whichever one of them composed this one, did a lot with that short loop. This is Konami channeling Square, if I ever heard that. <laughs> there were two games that I said I thought that this sounded like Shu Kapow. That first part with the pizzicato string and then the that haunting flute or recorder, maybe? I think it's more like a recorder. What did you say that sounded like? Um, Pikmin, sort of? Sort of Pikmin, but then when I said SNES... Chrono Trigger. Yeah. Yeah. That if I hadn't told you what it was and I'd said SNES, I think you might have might have guessed that. And then the second part that kicks in around the 24-25 second mark, to me, sounds straight out of Dragon Quest. When you get the, the flute and the trumpet in there. And this has just got some really eerie harmony and chord progression. But I also think it's a really pretty song. Like, what do you think about it? Um, it's definitely very cool. Uh, and creepy. Yep. Fitting for Castlevania. I don't know anything about this level, because I have never really gotten past level one of this game. I'm not great at Castlevania, and I don't love the games. I think the music is really cool, and I recognize their their place in gaming history, and... Uh, I mean, it's... Yeah, it's cool. I just never really have gotten into the series. But... This is good. I like this one. And again, it kind of keeps things keeps things calm, keeps things toned down. Maybe a little bit creepy. But it's still what, Shukapau? Very good music. Just like everything we play. And what very good music is next on our list tonight? Hmm. Uh, next up, we have Polargeist from Geometry Dash. And that was Polargeist from Geometry Dash, released in 2013 from Mobile and PC, and that track was composed by DJVI. All, all one word. <laughs> that was quite a track. Yes, I like that a lot. It starts out with that sort of cold industrial sound. I mean, Polargeist makes sense. And then it gets into that, like, just shapes and beats style groove. <laughs> 
<laughs> Tell me about your history with this game. I mentioned you and Dusk been talking about it a lot. I mean, not really a lot, but it just it's y'all talked about the music in this game and how yeah. phenomenal it is. Yeah, it's it's a it's a cool game, cool music. And what is Geometry Dash? It's a it's a game with where where you like you're like this little square dude, and you like go around you like go along the this like level, of, like the music playing timed to the thing, and you like. Tap the screen to jump, or like click the mouse, or like. Oh. You know. Okay. It's, it's just it's cool. It's got a lot of different stuff. How did y'all first come across this game? Did you um, discover it together or separately? I don't know. I guess it's like we just sort of um, it just we just sort of happened across it. Like at school or at a friend's house or. Uh, I don't know. I, 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 I saw on your Chromebook. <laughs> or, I, I don't know. Just like the YouTube's, I guess. Okay. Cool. Yeah, this was really fun. I didn't have this on my list. How did? Why did you decide to include this? Uh, I don't know. I just, I just thought Geometry Dash, and I'm like, oh, cool. I'll, I'll, I'll see if that's this is good. <laughs> oh well, it definitely was. It was very good. Very good music. Yeah. In fact, of of the four songs you've played so far tonight, only one of them was on my list that I sent you. So that's really cool. You've definitely, you've gone kind of off the beaten path for some of this stuff. I like it. Well, this, de this next one is definitely off the beaten path for me. I'll talk more about the game when we come back, because it's kind of a whole thing. For now, I just want to get into the music. This one is a little bit longer, but I am going to let the whole thing play. It's really, really, really good. I like it a lot. Uh, the original composer here is Zune, who anybody who's been following us for a while or just knows about it, is the creator of the Toho series. The arranger for this version of the track is a composer by the name of Eru, E-R-U, who is affiliated with Hellion Sounds, a sound studio that I think, you know, work on independent games. The name of the track is Let's Live in a Lovely Cemetery, and the name of the game is Ikusan <laughs> Sasuke!
<laughs> uh, and that was Let's Live in a Lovely Cemetery. I've never heard music like that in any cemetery I've ever been in. <laughs> that was composed by Zun originally, arranged by Eru for the game Igusan. With, let me see, it's all caps, and there are seven A's in that right <laughs> there. The original track is from Toho 13, Ten Desires, and it was not level three in that game, but it is level three in this game, which is a de described as a cross between a bullet hell and a rhythm game. It is based on Iku's ability um, called the Fever, which allows her to graze through large waves of bullets safely without getting hit. As bullet hells go, I hear it's a little bit easier than most. Uh, Prof Jeff, if you have played this one, let me know uh, what you what you know about it. Iku has three shot types, straight, which shoots in front of her, wide, that shoots at a larger angle, and rolling, which shoots in a circular motion around her. And you have to utilize these shots to beat different types of enemies. She also has three different spells. Bomb, which shoots a short-range projectile that explodes on contact. Thunder, which zaps the closest enemy to Iku in a straight line. Uh, and Kaiku, which, or Kaiko, which uh, sends out homing projectiles onto her enemies. So, that sounds like a pretty dynamic um, play system. If you look at screenshots of this game, it's got a lot going on, lots of colors, um, lots of movement, and it's just a really, really cool sounding game. The whole, the whole plot is after a huge earthquake shakes up Jinsokyo, Iku Nagai ventures out to find the source of the blast using her incredible fever skills. This song, man. Shugapow, you had no idea what, what was coming up. What do you think of this song? What, 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 what do you remember about it? What sticks out to you instrument-wise? That, that was very... Yeah, yeah, it, it was it was cool. It was it was cool. I liked it. <laughs> um, I think the part that really made you sit up like raise your eyebrows was that shredding guitar solo at the end. <laughs> that went some places, but the I really like the intro too. It starts out with that haunting. I, th I think that's a Japanese flute. I'm not great with this stuff, as y'all know. But the and then it just gets and. That melody comes back a couple of times in loops, but the song keeps evolving through that, and the drums on this are just really cool. It does get a little bit samey between like the second and third sort of parts, but then it all just kind of whips back around, and that finale, that finisher, just, just some cool stuff. We're definitely going to have to do a Toho episode at some point. There's so much good music in the Toho series that I actually have gotten to the point where I'm starting to cut tracks just so I don't play too much Toho. <laughs> but we could do like a whole season about it. We could probably do a whole podcast about it. It's just, it's that good. Like, this fan scene is the biggest and most robust of almost any that I have seen. They're so prolific, they're so creative, uh, even more so, I think, than the Undertale fan scene, which is hmm. probably the closest thing I've seen that can rival it. But, man, man. Good stuff. Love this track. <sighs> is your next track as rocking as this one? Mm. Doesn't mean it's not as good if it's not, but is it as rocking? Yeah. <laughs> I have the hardest rocking track ever from 
Kirby's epic yarn. <laughs> Flower fields. I love it. Oh, man. Okay. Let's not even say anything else, because we got to play these two songs as close together as possible. Name the song again. Flower Fields from Kirby's Epic Yarn. Yep, all checks out. <laughs> that, was, that was some that was some hard rocking stuff. My face melted off, man. Yep. <laughs> no, that's that's super sweet. I mean, we've talked on here about how much we love Kirby's Epic Yarn, and yeah. uh, this one was on my list. It was actually one of the first tracks I thought of for the show, and I'm glad we played it. We're playing a really nice diversity of tracks. This may also be the only composer who we're going to hear from twice tonight. Hmm. Who is the composer for this track? Tomoya Tamita. Yeah, good stuff. Who started out back with Konami before moving to Goodfeel and then going freelance. And yeah, haven't not sure what he is really up to now, but he made this. And this is great. Talk about your uh, history with this this game. What does this track mean to you? It's 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 a it's a good game. It's, it's good music. It's it's yeah. Why is this game special to us? Uh, because cause we bought it and played it and liked it. And, and, yeah. This is one of the first games that you guys played. This was like a pivotal game for y'all. I mean, it's not like the first game, of course. The first game was Super Mario Sunshine for you. Yeah. <laughs> and, but, yeah. You should actually say things instead of whispering them. Maybe that's, maybe that's why I'm weird. <laughs> Maybe that's why I maybe maybe that's why I don't like Zelda as much as other people. Because of Super Mario Sunshine. I don't know because I liked Super Mario Sunshine as a kid, and, <laughs> and I never grew out of that. And that's why that's why I like games that no one else likes. <laughs> well, that's not true. Lots of people like Tales maybe, of Symphonia. Maybe maybe that's why I like maybe Pokemon. that's why I like GBA sound. 
<laughs> I don't know. Super Mario Sunshine is is a is a weird one to really love. I like it a lot though. Super Sunshine is great, and this game is great. Uh, this this game has been an early game for all five of you, and it's it's just really cool. It's a really fun, special, nice little game. Wholesome, once again. This is a wholesome game, and man, this track is nothing if not wholesome. Very pretty, very nice sounding. Not a whole lot to say about it, really. And this next game, I have a lot less experience with than Kirby's Epic Yarn. In fact, I have no experience with it. I will have a few things to say about it. I'm going to try not to just totally rip off of HardcoreGamer.com, which is where I got a lot of my info. But this next one is cool. The sound is really nice and very different from anything we've had tonight. The composers, though, is what I'm going to be interested to get into. But we're going to be listening to Stage 3 from the game Revolter for the PC-88. Composed by either Masaharu Iwata or Hitoshi Sakimoto. Mm. That was Stage 3 from Revolter for the PC-88, composed by either Masaharu Iwata and or Hitoshi Sakimoto. I like this track. I think it's really cool. The PC-88s and these older computers have, you know, they have a, a unique sound to them. We're going to get into that a little bit, but uh, I thought this was really, really nice use of really, frankly, pretty old hardware by two fairly young composers at the time. The drums, for me, are the best part of this track. But I like that synthy sort of lead instrument. It does get a little bit tinny, a little bit high on the on the treble there. Shukapau, what do you think about this one? Um, I think it's the same problem for me as the other one. I don't really like the samples much. Yeah, I mean, 
it's, you know, we don't really get into the weeds here. It's not technically sample-based. This is, uh, um, like, FM synth, uh, so it's more like synthesized sound. It's not based on... A sample is like a small, like, recorded audio piece, so, like, the Super Nintendo can sound kind of like real instruments because it's sample-based, so they've sampled real instruments and just compressed them down way far. But this is actually synthesized directly on a sound chip, and so it's making actual electronic sound, like, live. That's not the greatest explanation, but it works. But I know what you mean. You don't really like the sound of the chip, the sound of the instruments. Uh, what did you think about the melody, though, and, like, the rhythm? It was pretty cool and catchy. Like, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. if this were on different instruments, do you think you would like it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. You, you've heard these names, at least, yes? Masahari Iwata and Hitoshi Sakimoto? Do they sound familiar to you at all? Not really. Man, I feel like we must have played some of these. Maybe it's just because I've heard them so much on other podcasts. So, Revolter, kind of like my previous track from Ikusan, <laughs> is a doujin game. Uh, Prof Jeff has talked to me a little bit about this. Doujin... To drastically oversimplify it, it's basically like the Japanese term for an indie. It's like a group of people that like self-publish something. Uh, this was self-published by a little company called ASC Group. Frankly, the PC-88 was not like capable of handling this game because it was too big. And because of that, the screen scrolling and the sprite movement was jerky. The backgrounds were kind of repetitive. The stages are too long. The bosses are kind of rip-offs or homages to Gradius. Gradius, Gradius, whatever, which comes into play a little bit in the music as well. We'll get into that. Your ship, which is called the Silver Eraser, like an eraser but with a Z, (laughs) um, has a very large shield meter for a shooter game, but that's pretty good because the controls are so clunky you're going to be taking a lot of hits, so Mm -hmm. it kind of balances out. This game is cool because it was only the second game composed by Masaharu Iwata and the first game by Hitoshi Sakimoto. And actually, in the game, apparently, from what I found on Hardcore Gamer, one of the characters claims to be a music composer, loves FM synth, and says that she worships YMOHS, which is Sakimoto's, like, composing pseudonym. YMO actually stands for Yellow Magic Orchestra, which is a really, really popular um, orchestra in Japan, and HS, of course, are just his initials. The soundtrack, by and large, is really good. It also includes some arrangements from other shooters like Legendary Wings, Salamander, and Dragon Spirit, which I know of the first two. I don't think I know of Dragon Spirit, but I don't know that they're actually in the game, but the Hardcore Gamer website said they're available in the sound test. Uh, These two composers um, worked for Square Enix for a while, then branched off and formed Base Escape, which is still, to this day, providing soundtracks. A lot of them, their best work is in, like, orchestral-type games, like Final Fantasy Tactics and uh, Ogre Battle, uh, Final Fantasy XII a little more recently, and Sakimoto, at least, is still doing some stuff, um, quite a bit of stuff for, like, indie and smaller company-published games, so never really went too far from, from his roots, except for that little stint at one of the biggest gaming companies in the world. <laughs> But that's enough of rambling about this uh, old game on an old system that you don't know anything about or care much about. I'm assuming that you know and care at least a little bit about the game that your next track comes from. Yes. 
Next up, I have I have Waterfall from Undertale. Let's go. Yeah, so uh, you do care a lot about this game. We've talked about this a lot. I guess it doesn't need a whole lot of intro or a whole lot of uh, discussion. I will say one thing, though. Have you noticed something about our themes tonight? They're all from third areas. They're all from third areas, yes. I played Waterfall of Bloodshed, and then you played that, like, water level from Plants vs. Zombies. Yes. <laughs> and now we're doing Waterfall from Undertale. Oh, <laughs> uh, but... Uh, yet again. Now, we've played this one before, but it was last season, and I did tell you that's okay. And it will be interesting to hear you talk a little about this track, because Dusk was the one who talked most about it last time. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, let's get into it, and then hear what you've got to say. Okay, yeah, that was Waterfall from Undertale, released in 2015, composed by Toby Fox, and multiple, it's, it's released for multiple platforms. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this is a, an American yeah. doujin. You, you know the drill by now. <laughs> Undertale. Yes. Yeah. We don't have to talk much about the game. We have done that one to death. Why did you pick this song out of all the other level threes we could do? Because it's great, and it's Undertale, and yeah. What makes this song great? Come on, give me some words. It. You talked a lot about like like the Plants vs Zombies, like the reverb and the, the the eerie melody and stuff. Give me some of that here. He uses a lot of chimes. I think that's a glass xylophone playing the lead. Do 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 do. Yeah. Why does this song fit the area? Uh, well, it's sort of an intense area, but also sort of a chill area because you know you've got Undyne there. Quietly intense. Yes, quietly intense. Got some. Got some tension mounting, building. I could hear that. There's, 
I think that that, that deep bass, the really almost like a didgeridoo, that definitely builds that ominous tone. Yeah, the choral, the choral elements. Did you ever beat Undertale? Yes. Okay. Multiple times. Okay. When's the last time you played it? Uh, I don't know, like a couple years ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is It is a really, really great, fantastic game that we have talked about a lot on this show. Another game that we've talked a little bit about, but a composer that we've talked about quite a bit, is this next one. Yet another uh, waterfall thing. Uh, I wonder what it is about like third areas being related to water. It seems to seems to be happening quite a bit. There was Aquatic Ruin, which I cut from Sonic. Like, like World had... 2 being related to desert. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's Super Mario 3. you got Grassland, Desertland, and Waterland. So, yeah. Hmm. Or just, you know, a lot of Mario. Interesting. Well, this is my last track of the night. And there's a track you have not played yet, and I'm wondering if it's going to be on the list. If not, I'll have to make it an honorable mention. But... Before we get to that, my final track of the evening, composed once again by Tomoya Tomita, is from Wario Land Shake It, and the name of the track is Foul Water Falls. Foul Waterfalls from Wario Land Shake It by Tomoya Tomita. The third area of this platformer, which is really a lot of fun, and the music is just fantastic. <laughs> Shugabao, what did you like about this one? It, 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 I, I, I really liked the melody and the, um, the, um, the, the one that trumpets came in. 
Oh yeah, man, when the trumpets came in at that like a minute and 20 mark, I'm going to have to I'm going to have to bring that back up when we get to it. That for about 30 seconds there, my life was just full of joy. There was nothing bad in it. <laughs> the piano is really cool. The 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 drums are really nice. That lead synth, the do 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 do. It's just it's really really funky. Really, really fun. But there was a little bit there, kind of, I think maybe around the one minute mark, where I was kind of thinking, is this really gelling though? Like, it almost sounds like three different parts are all kind of like trying to do their own thing, and the drums are a little loud, and it's just, I don't know, it's, maybe I should have picked something else. But then, <laughs> the horns come in, and, well, just, just, just listen to this again, just listen. It's so good! Chukabo! It's so good! Yes. Love it! That's like my favorite 20 seconds of the whole night. It's just... Oh, it makes me so happy. <laughs> I would kind of love to end on that note. But I'm not going to do that to you. Because you have got our closing track for the evening. What is it going to be? Uh, Koopa Troopa Beach from Mario Kart 64. Okay, I take it back. That's the perfect thing to end on. Yeah. was Koopa Troopa Beach from Mario Kart 64, released in 1996 for the Nintendo 64 and composed by Kenta Nagata.
Kenta Nagata. Oh, man. I love this whole soundtrack. Koopa Troopa Beach is just so good. Not to be confused with Koopa Beach from Super Mario Kart, but, man, so good. This one is actually on my list, and then I had the thought that maybe you had put it on your list, and so I took it off of mine, but I'm glad you picked it. (laughs) I'm glad you picked it. Why did you... Why did you settle on this one? Why do you like this track? It's a classic. Yeah, it's it's really fun and and cool and 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 yeah. I like those steel drums. And yet again, we're back to the water. Uh, I think we may have inadvertently discovered something here. <laughs> this level is also really cool. This um, it is the third track of the first cup in Mario Kart 64, which which is why it works. And it's. It's really cool. It's like it's got this cool shortcut, and it's one of the first tracks that had one that I could actually get to and find. If you go up this ramp with a mushroom, you can like go through this tunnel that shaves off about 10-15 seconds of track, and it's really, really cool. Yoshi Circuit. Yoshi Circuit, yeah, kind of like going through the waterfall on Yoshi Circuit. I really yeah. like watching the, um, the world record <clears throat> Yoshi Circuit. It's really cool. <laughs> the... Uh, now, Mario Kart 64, my um, go-to character became Wario, because I really liked kind of his weight and how he handled. In the first Mario Kart, though, the Koopa Troopa was my favorite driver. I really liked him, and so I really had kind of a soft spot for this song. Very nice pick for our last song of the evening. This was fun. This was a really cool episode, and I think we, we played uh, some, some music that we wouldn't necessarily get around to usually. What is our topic for next time going to be? It's one that you've been wanting to do for a long time. Like, since we started the show. Why can I never remember these? Uh, RPG battle themes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And we're picking stuff from... Yes. <laughs> we're picking stuff from uh, standard turn-based RPGs, JRPGs, ARPGs, uh, strategy RPGs like Fire Emblem, ARPGs like an action RPG like Fantasy Life. Weird uh, RPGs like Tales of Symphonia and Star Ocean. Yeah, but are kind of <laughs> in between. That, Weird yeah, RPGs. It's, but basically, RPG battle themes. And guys and gals, gamers of all types, this Game soundtrack, they're, this topic is so big, again, kind of like with Toho, you could do a whole podcast over just RPG battle themes, because there are so many great ones. I actually recently narrowed down my playlist, and Chukapau, what did I tell you you could do now, because I couldn't narrow my list down far enough? Because I couldn't narrow my list down far enough? Oh yeah, pick ten themes! Yes, so... Let's go! Next time is gonna be... A longer episode, just fair warning. We'll try not to ramble too much in between, which won't be too hard for me, because I didn't pick... I don't think I've played a single game that my tracks came from. <laughs> I, I went off the beaten path, and I listened to so much good music. This was really, really hard. There's no Chrono Trigger, there's no Final Fantasy, there's no Dragon Quest, there's no Mario RPG, there's no Tales, there's no Golden Sun. It's like... I should play Golden Sun. I think <laughs> RJ played it. There are on my playlist, though, two tracks by Motoi Sakuraba. <laughs> Even though there's no Tales or Golden Sun. Mr. RPG. The man is prolific, yes. Well, I mean... But... Uematsu, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, man, there are a lot of great episodes ahead, and we've talked about them a little bit. We actually talked about them on our little um, bonus episode a few weeks ago uh, on Valentine's Day. 
and so I'm not going to get into it right now. I do want to take a second and thank all of our lovely patrons. Alex, the Messenger Messenger. Flareon. Skeletroy. I, I haven't, I don't have a Pokemon named after Skeletroy. Ryan Steele. Labras. The Last Recon. Venusaur. And Carlos, Leon Roman, Kung Fu Carlito. <laughs> uh, you gotta get with it, man. Name some more. Uh, name some more Pokemon after our patrons. Bedroth here with a brief interjection. I uh, somehow failed to mention Forrest Shamlian, one of our amazing, lovely patrons, who is also the creator of the Castle Core series on YouTube. He's got some fun stuff in the works, so keep a lookout for that. I would also like to introduce our brand new patron, Nathan Cooper, who recently uh, joined up on Patreon. And uh, I have not heard from Nathan yet on anything that he would like me to plug, but Nathan, thank you very much, and welcome to the Patreon team. You should also have a special Pokemon for the lady who did our amazing artwork, Naomi. Yeah, Geirdas. Geirdas. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And uh, then there's also Ben the Dyad Dishman, a sprite artist in his own right, who made our fancy pixel portraits. And yeah, just thanks to everyone who helps make the show possible. Ever, I would really love to hear from a lot of you. Our show gets downloaded a lot more than I expected for it to at this point, even as we approach our one-year anniversary. And Just two whole subscribers, Pog! Actually, we've passed our one-year anniversary by the time everyone hears this, mm. which is interesting. But, uh, yeah, we we get down, like, we have an average of 70 downloads per episode, you Whoa, two subscribers, Pog! <laughs> and... I don't know, because we have five patrons. I have like maybe five other people who are on the Discord or who email me or talk to me on YouTube. Maybe it's just because I haven't bitten the bullet and done a lot of the social media stuff yet. We'll get there sometime this season, gamers. I promise you that. You will be able to find more of us on the interwebs. But in the meantime, Shukapow, where can they find us? Flat.io, and it's my Twitter, at Shukapow. Yeah. And, and Flat.io, Lloyd Irving for Smash. They can also email us at verygoodmusicvgm at gmail.com. The email that I definitely know and yep. have memorized. Yep. Well, I mean, you email me a lot there, like when you miss the bus. Well, but yeah, yeah, but that, well. I mean, it just pops up when in your, yeah. you know, and uh, the, you can also talk to us on YouTube. We actually, I love getting the YouTube comments, um, and that's a really cool place for us to talk. You can also find us on Discord. A link to it is on the it's about page. The it's good for the YouTube algorithm. <laughs> yes, it is. All we need is like 920 more subscribers, and then we can have the community page, and then we can really blow up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, the community page, ultimate yeah. power. Yeah, except now this, uh, I've been flagged because I talked about the community page, so. Oh, no. Anyway, oh, no, uh, but <laughs> just kidding. Nintendo, don't copyright strike us. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Every time we pick an Undertale song, I do get a copyright notification. Uh, like, it's never been a strike. Like, we've never not been able to post something, and I don't monetize these videos anyway, but, yeah, I always get something. Um, usually if I post something from Square, I do as well. I don't from Nintendo, actually. Uh, and maybe it's because we actually, like, this is commentary, but if I ever do, like, take a song and just, like, do song rips and upload them, which I'm starting to think about doing so that we can have, like, consistent playlists with our name on it, I'll be interested to see if those get struck. But anyway, that's all, like, in the weeds stuff. 
Point is, if you're out there and you haven't yet, please reach out. We would love to hear from you. Our Discord is on the About page of our YouTube page. But send us an email, send you a tweet. You know, find us. Interact. That's what we love. But in the meantime, I think that's going to do it for us. I do want to give one little shout-out. Our blooper reel track is another one that I couldn't bear to just cut completely from my list. And it's got kind of a quirky sound to it that fits for a blooper reel theme. It's going to be The Mixing Room from Eminem's Minis Madness on the Game Boy Color, which was released in 2000 and was one of the very, very, very early soundtracks for one Mr. Jake Kaufman. Jake Kaufman didn't have an M game. (laughs) Yeah, who knew? Who knew? But until next time, when we have our um, extended length battle RPG battle episode, remember everyone to play very good games, be very good people, and keep listening to very very good music. And with the title theme from Halo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> All right. Read us back in. Uh... Yeah, I'm going to cut that out because it doesn't make sense anymore. <laughs> Greetings, gamers. I'm Bet Roth. And I'm Shoot Cabal. And you're listening to Season 3 of Very Good Music. Of Vigigame Game Podcast. <laughs> okay, let's try that again. <laughs> Very Good Music. A video... No. <laughs> forget what we say. No, I, I didn't. I, did, I just... <laughs> Alright, take Pretty three. It's, it's appropriate. We'll get it on the third try because it's Season 3. Alright. I don't, I don't. Uh, yeah, okay, so wait, I'm picking first? Yeah. You swallow your spit, you don't breathe your spit. Uh, no, I was just, uh, I'm going to pick first, but I, I would say, you, usually when I'm like, if you don't, if there's nothing else that you want to talk about, I think we should go ahead and get into it. And then you say something like, yeah, okay, let's do that. Or, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> okay, yeah, let's, 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 let's do the show. Let's, let's, let's do the, the let's do yeah. the show. Yeah. Let's, do, let's, let's do the thing. Let's go. Okay. Let's go. Let's right. go. You can scream if you want to. I can edit it out. No. Oh. <laughs> Pat just banged his elbow. Anyway. Yeah. 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 Caught that, that'll be fun. I'm thinking about we do this. I think this is a good idea. And what is this? Iku Nagai ventures out to find the sword. What the heck? Before moving to Goodfeel and then going freelance. But 
<laughs> you made it a long time. <laughs> I, I did. And type, 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 type. Yeah, that type. that doesn't mess up the audio at all. <laughs> I'm gonna have to look this up. One second. <laughs>